Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, understanding the why doesn't ease the pain at the pump. With Americans already feeling the sting of higher gas prices, what could the larger impact be on the U.S. economy as a whole? Also this morning, the travel and tourism industry was counting on a big post-pandemic rebound this spring and summer, and skyrocketing fuel costs won't help. But if you're still determined to get away, our neighbors to the north are rolling out the red carpet to tourists once again. And automation is already an everyday fact of life, but experts say we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Will so-called intelligent automation finally make humans obsolete? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, March 14th, 2022. Just six days to go until spring. So today is Pi Day, uh, honoring the value of pi, the mathematical uh, constant that represents the ratio of the circumference of a circle to its diameter. Uh, also called Archimedes constant, named after the Greek mathematician. But we know it better as pi. 3.14159265535, etc., etc., etc. They say that the, the actual value of pi goes to something like 64 trillion digits or something like that. Uh, so I don't know all of them. That's about the, I think for most of us, it's 3.14. So 314, Monday, March 14th, is Pi Day. It is also Science Education Day. I would imagine that's not a coincidence. Uh, National Potato Chip Day. Well, there you go. That's more my speed. <laughs> National Save a Spider Day. They encourage you, if you find spiders inside your home, don't kill them. They do very good things. To, although I, I must admit, if I see spiders outside in the wild, I will leave them alone. But if I see them in my house, fair game. But they say, shouldn't do that. National Save a Spider Day. Uh, Legal Assistance Day. Learn about Butterflies Day. And it is Genius Day today. Probably circling back again to Pie Days. Reasons to celebrate today. So... Uh, here's the uh, thing that we have to worry about, uh, today. Every day, it seems like we have to have something new to be worried about. And, uh, maybe this, uh, story hit the newswire because it is save a spider day. I'm not sure, but first of all, we had the, uh, so-called murder hornets, which hit the West coast of the U S and everybody was worried. Here come the murder hornets. Now the East coast has its own lovely creature to fret over, the Joro spider. I think is how you pronounce it, Joro, or Joro. Uh, uh, Joro spider, uh, which also goes by the name of the parachuting spider, because that's what they do. It is an invasive species. It is marching up the East Coast after being spotted in the South. The spider gets its name as the parachuting spider, because that is its preferred mode of transportation. They spin silken threads that catch the wind and carry them aloft in the jet stream, where they can travel for miles and miles and miles at a time. And now that the temperatures are warming up, these little buggers are migrating north. Uh, the uh, yellow and black spiders can grow to four inches in length. They are venomous, but... Their fangs are too tiny to penetrate human skin, so there is good news there. Uh, it is unknown what impact the spiders, the parachuting spider, will have on local ecosystems. It is, as we said, an invasive species. It's also not known <coughs> excuse me, how they ended up in America in the first place. But uh, biologists and naturalists are encouraging people to learn to live with them, so... If you weren't worried enough about the murder hornets, now we have the parachuting spider to worry about. Back to work on this Monday. Are you a workplace vigilante? <laughs> that just sounds disturbing, doesn't it? Researchers from two universities found that 20% of people 
adopt a vigilante identity at the, at work where they routinely monitor others' behavior and take it upon themselves to punish those who do not follow the rules. These self-appointed enforcers may slander others on social media, tell them off at work, creating a scene, or engage in physical acts like vandalism. Maybe vandalize your cubicle or something. Uh, one of the researchers in this project says responses suggest that they, they don't mind punishing the innocent to, defer, to deter future wrongdoers. So not only are they going after people who have you know, somehow uh, not followed the appropriate workplace protocol as they see it, they are also going after people proactively to make sure they put you in your place so that you don't mess up at work. Wow. In a, uh, it says the uh, responses uh, to the uh, surveys of these workplace vigilantes suggest that uh, they don't mind punishing the innocent to deter future wrongdoers and are willing to disregard due process uh, in doing so. In a criminal context, in law or the legal system, this kind of vigilantism is probably an unhealthy presence. You think? You think maybe having a workplace vigilante is unhealthy in your office setting? No correlations found between vigilantism and gender or political leaning in the study. Both men and women, uh, conservatives, liberals, uh, equally likely to be workplace vigilantes. They did, however, find that those who identified most strongly as a workplace vigilante tend to be more extroverted and thought of themselves as being kind or moral. <laughs> so they have a pretty high opinion of themselves. I think we all probably work with someone who falls into that category. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're a workplace vigilante, but they are out there. Speaking of work, uh, I don't know what kind of work you do, but you really have to feel for some folks, uh, especially in uh, over the past couple of years with the pandemic and so on, because this cannot be easy to deal directly with customers, and it's not getting any easier. And you see all the time stories online of people behaving badly toward customer service representatives and so on. Researchers have found that the emotional toll that dealing directly with customers all day, the, the emotional toll that takes leads to burnout and high staff turnover. They were looking specifically at the tourism industry because we're coming into a spring and summer big travel months, and uh, they find that emotional burnout has become a catch-all that refers to the politeness, tactics, uh, tactfulness, courtesy, professionalism, and friendship that resort workers are expected to demonstrate every day, every minute of every of every working day. They have to look like they're having fun and look good all the time and be happy. The uh, lead author of the study, Dr. Georgiana Busoy, says the tourism industry in particular relies heavily on recruiting the right people, but even extroverts need to be supported to maintain that facade of happiness. Because nobody wants to go to a resort and find somebody in a foul mood, an employee in a foul mood. So employees in that industry specifically have to be on all the time. She says tourism employers could help their staff and reduce turnover, which is generally high in that industry, by limiting the number of hotels and resorts they would be expected to work at, matching workers with resorts rather than expecting all workers to work at all types of resorts, because some people would be more uh, comfortable in some settings than others, and by encouraging workers to specialize. So they only have contact with guests in a specific set of circumstances. Kind of interesting. Oh, I just thought that was an interesting Monday morning story. And how about this? Here is, we'd start each day with the most important and the most buzzworthy stories of the day. This 
definitely falls into the category of buzzworthy. This is something you can talk about <laughs> if you want to start a debate at work and have something to talk about with your coworkers around the water cooler. Uh, this is definitely one of those. And uh, it comes from uh, an Internet poll. Every now and then, the Internet produces a really crazy debate. And here is the latest one. Do you believe that there are more doors or wheels in the world? Think about that. Which are there more of, doors or wheels in the world? Some guy named Ryan Nixon tweeted out that question earlier this month, noting that he and his friends were having a really dumb debate over the answer. The question went viral and has been circulating on social media. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. I had not seen this, but I think this is a, a really interesting question. There are compelling arguments, as it turns out, on both sides. The pro-wheels camp note that there are wheels on many things we might not think about. And you think, wheels. How many wheels are there in the world? Immediately you think of transportation, right? Cars, trains, you know, buses, even uh, airplanes have wheels in their landing gear and so on. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But how about suitcases, garment racks, garbage cans even have wheels. So think about all of the things that have wheels on them. Uh, meanwhile, the pro-door camp says, hey, there are also doors everywhere. You think of doors, you think of doors to your house, doors to every room in your house or your office or um, you know, a store or something like that. But what about uh, cupboards and cabinets? And uh, even, even, and this completely blows your mind, what about doors on things that have wheels? <laughs> Man, mind blown. Uh, the original poll has officially ended with about a quarter million votes, and the winner is wheels. About 54% uh, of people believe that there are more wheels than doors in the world but it's not an overwhelming majority. So you can discuss that amongst yourselves at work today. Have yourself a little debate. Are there more doors than wheels in the world? The most, the most frustrating part of this debate is that we will never know the answer. There is absolutely no way to know what the actual answer is. So have fun with that. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny skies today and high around 60, partly cloudy tonight, low around 40. Blanchard Valley Health System is again adjusting its visitation guidelines as COVID cases continue to go down. The notable revisions in the new guidelines include allowing two visitors per day for COVID positive patients, as well as two visitors of medical practice visits. All BVHS visitors are still required to wear a mask at all times, including time spent in the room of a loved one. The health system will provide an appropriate mask if necessary. March is National Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month, and Blanchard Valley Center is inviting Hancock County residents to show their support by participating in a countywide Spirit Week. We want Hancock County to show their support through a Spirit Week as a way to embrace a community culture of inclusion and that each person is valued for who they are. We recognize the barriers and struggles individuals with DD face while being committed to advocating and helping them living the life that they choose to live. In addition to Spirit Week this week, Blanchard Valley Center also has other events planned for this month, including their celebrity basketball game. Get more on the website. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation has opened the application process for its third Heart and Soul Community. Brian Trees, the CEO of the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation. There's something special about small towns, and there's something special about the small towns in Hancock County. So this is an opportunity for us to support them in, in their next steps and being the strongest community that they can be. He says Heart and Soul is a resident-driven process that engages the entire population to identify what they love most about their community, the future they want for it, and how to achieve it. The home openers have been set for the Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland Guardians now that the lockout has ended. 
The Cincinnati Reds' home opener will be against the Cleveland Guardians on April 12th. Cleveland's home opener will be April 15th against San Francisco. Cincinnati and Cleveland were both originally scheduled to start their seasons with home openers on March 31st. Now they'll start the season on the road. Teams will still play a 162-game schedule this year. I'm Clay Gordon. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, no big surprise that in a new bank rate survey, three in four Americans say rising prices for just about everything are putting the squeeze on financially and fears over the run-up in gas prices only going to make that worse. Industry analyst Ted Rossman joins us this morning. And Ted, you break the numbers down from that survey, and obviously it is low-income individuals and families who are hurting the most. They are, just because there's really less room for them to cut from their budget. Yeah. Lower income people, their budget is mostly necessities to begin with. And then we think about what's happened with everything, you know, whether it's housing prices, those are up 14% year over year. I mean, I suppose good news if you own your home, but bad news if you're looking to break into the market or if you're renting. Gas prices have been getting a ton of headlines up over 50% year over year. Groceries up about 7.5%. It feels like we're getting hit on all fronts here. Yeah. And, you know, then again, I'm reminded that we had the story just last week, I think it was, that record numbers of Americans are, in fact, living paycheck to paycheck, even more than half of those making over $100,000 a year. So this is an equal opportunity hardship in that respect. And it is also especially acute for those on fixed incomes. Inflation's hitting everybody. Yeah, but you're right. It's low income households and also older people. Those are the most affected groups in our survey. Older people, you know, yes, they're in or near retirement. They're on fixed incomes. They're drawing down their savings, invested more conservatively. I would argue one other thing, which is that it's psychological for older people. They remember how harmful inflation was back in the 70s and 80s. Sure. Young adults have never faced anything like this. Yeah. So this is across the board. Also very interesting, the responses to the question of where people are feeling it the most and how they are cutting back to try and keep their heads above water. That's right. Yeah, we conducted this survey in mid-February. And at the time, people listed groceries number one, gas was a close second, followed by restaurants and consumer products. Now, I suspect, given what's happened since then, gas prices now are getting all the headlines, with the national average well over $4, some places like California well over $5. Mm-hmm. There's ripple effects to that, not just fueling up your car, but also air travel, other forms of transportation, even just moving goods from point A to point B. Um, so that's really significant. Most people are making changes. They're cutting back. That's the most common. About six in 10 say they're cutting back in some areas to afford higher prices elsewhere. A rational, smart choice, although maybe not good for the consumer-driven economy. Right. We also found a lot of people looking for discounts. They're dipping into savings, adding to debt. I think there could really be consequences to this. Now, we mentioned uh, on Friday the AAA survey where people say they are still not willing to cancel spring and summer vacation plans. Apparently, that need to travel after two years of pandemic lockdowns is stronger than fears over the cost. But that could certainly change if gas prices continue to go up. And how devastating would that be for the travel and tourism industry? It's like they can't win because, yeah, as you said, they've been crushed by COVID the past couple of years, and now we're feeling better about that, and everybody's like, woohoo, let's go somewhere, and then you get hit with these much higher prices. So, yeah, it is a significant worry. I think it could spill over to other discretionary sectors, too, like dining and concerts and ball games and all that stuff. I do think that People want to do these things, though. And, you know, we should to some extent. I mean, I don't want you to overspend and go into debt, but I also want people to enjoy themselves. And I think ultimately it comes down to priorities. And I think it's important to revisit that budget, see what you can afford. You know, maybe you can cut back on certain things. At least wages have been going up, average of about 5% over the past year. Not as much as the 8% inflation we're facing, Mm -hmm. um, but at least it's something. I I think people will have to make trade-offs. I suspect 
even though gas prices are high, I actually think it might be a big spring and summer for road trips rather than plane trips, because even if it costs more to fill up your car, you better believe airlines are passing on the higher fuel costs as well. Oh, sure. And, you know, then you've got other sort of, you know, expenses associated with that. Rental car prices are still very high. Right. I think a lot of people might just fuel up the car and drive to the beach or, or do something kind of regional. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned the airlines and I was just thinking, uh, you know, I really feel for airlines having sold tickets based on prices from a couple of months ago and then having to buy jet fuel at today's prices. Uh, they could take a bath either way, uh, whether people go or not uh as it turns out but uh, again you talk about the importance of you know making smart choices and maybe cutting back but the fear is that people are going to do unwise things like taking on more debt and so on and so forth it's a tricky one because the cure for inflation in many respects is higher interest rates but then now that takes an already hefty credit card rate. The average is 16 and three, um, 16.3%. And then you add to that. Right. So, you know, it's already hard to pay that down. It's already going to take you 16 years and over $6,000 in interest. If you owe that national average of about 5,500 bucks and you only make minimum payments at the average interest rate. So that's where there's kind of winners and losers to this, you know, whatever you can do to pay down that debt, maybe get a 0% balance transfer card. Most people are more worried about inflation than they are about higher interest rates. But if you have credit card debt or an adjustable rate mortgage or right. a home equity line of credit, these higher rates could be very harmful. And with respect to that and the larger picture of the economy as a whole, a lot of analysts are saying all of this uh, that we're seeing uh, with gas prices and oil prices are going to only add to already skyrocketing inflation. But a friend of mine the other day uh, posed an interesting theory. Could it actually have the opposite effect by collapsing demand for everything? And wouldn't that actually put deflationary pressure on the economy? We're kind of in uncharted territory here. It's possible. We really have two things going on. We had inflation even before Russia invaded Ukraine. And right. The stage one of inflation was largely, I would say, COVID kind of mismatches of supply and demand, mm -hmm. too many dollars chasing too few goods. We had a lot of factories closed, worker shortages, material shortages. We were starting to get a handle on that, I think. The supply chain was getting better. We were starting to lap some of the worst increases. But then when Russia invaded Ukraine and all the ripple effects with gas prices and other things, um, that is really hard to say right now. But yes, it is possible. I mean, higher gas prices are basically a tax on the economy. It, it's kind of putting the brakes on just like higher interest rates might. Uh, I think some people start and, to talk about, well, are we going to have a recession? I mean, um, there's a lot of um, uncertainty right now. Yeah, at, at the very least, I would think it puts pressure on every business to try and figure out how much they can raise prices because of increased costs brought on by higher oil prices. How much can you raise uh, the prices before consumers balk and just stop buying? And there's the wage part of this kind of circle, too, because it is all related. As workers, we love getting paid more. But then if businesses have to raise prices because they're paying their workers more, the consumer side of that equation, mm -hmm. we don't like paying higher prices. Right. So that's where policymakers worry that it could get kind of embedded and sort of feed off itself. So it's a tricky one. A, the Federal Reserve's got to kind of thread the needle here. There are well, some things out of their control, too. That That's what I was going to say. By extension, does this impact at all the Fed's plan to raise interest rates? I mean, I know, like you said, it's a tool to fight inflation, but it's certainly another whammy that nobody needs right now. It's not going to change their plans to raise rates in the mid-March meeting. I, I think that's pretty much a lock at this point. What we don't know is a few months down the road. So some people think that we might get six or seven or even up to eight quarter point hikes over the next year. That remains to be seen. You know, I think they're going to really take it as they go. The single quarter point isn't going to crush anybody financially, but it's also not going to solve an inflation Right. solve the inflation problem in and of itself. So right. I, I think that 
we need to watch kind of that cumulative effect. I think we should get a series of interest rate hikes, but whether it's three or four or seven or eight, you know, I think that's really kind of the variability right now. And I think it's really interesting, the point that you made a little bit earlier, uh, coming off of this unprecedented upheaval of the economy from the coronavirus pandemic. Here we have this unprecedented upheaval of the economy uh, brought on by the war in Ukraine and completely isolating Russia from the rest of the world. And nobody really knows, uh, you know, what the long term impact of that is going to be. So a lot that has yet to sort itself out. Again, bank rate industry analyst Ted Rossman with us this morning. We referenced that survey. Uh, you've got more information on that at your website, right? We do, yes. More about inflation and this survey and other good advice for how to manage your money at bankrate.com. We'll link up to it on our webpage. Ted, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, as we all know, automation technology is becoming more common in every business. What started in industries like automobile manufacturing has now made its way to restaurants with kiosks that take your food order to concept stores like Amazon Go, where you just take items off the shelf and you're charged automatically. You can bypass the checkout line entirely. And those are pretty cool. I've been to one. It's uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. Rajendra Prasad is Senior Managing Director and Global Lead for Automation at the information technology company Accenture. And he says this is still only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the possibilities of intelligent automation in business. And RP, first off, define that term, intelligent automation, and how it is different or, or more advanced than what we see right now. Thank you very much for asking that question. Intelligent automation, very simply put, automation plus when you implement automation with data, data-driven, data-based plus artificial intelligence. So data plus artificial intelligence, when applied to automation, it becomes intelligent automation. Let me elaborate a little bit more on that. Intelligent automation is the next era of automation. Like you mentioned, we already encounter automation in our daily life, right? From the GPS navigation system in your car to Mm -hmm. driverless trains and all the examples that you quoted. We are now adding more intelligence to automation through technology like AI, machine learning, in order to let machines do more work, including tasks that involve analyzing massive amount of data, making decisions, learning from what follows once decisions are implemented. So- how, how does this get to implement in a large organizations and large companies? The technology is evolving every day. In the with the implementation of cloud, cloud technologies, it helps to host massive amount of data and applications. So cloud provides enablement. Once you have the enablement, data helps you to drive and make informed decisions. So data is the driver. And when you apply AI, AI is the differentiator. So the summary is cloud is the enabler, data is the driver, and the AI is the differentiator. When you apply all these three on the top of automation, then you unlock exponential value by changing what CEOs can do in a fundamental way they operate business to an accelerated growth with innovation. So let me jump right to the obvious question. Automation has been something of a four-letter word to workers who believe that all of this further threatens their jobs. Is this intelligent automation going to make humans obsolete, as has long been the fear? This is a very important question that we need to address to manage the change and the adoption of automation and the implementation automation. One of the very important uh, aspect of implementing automation or advanced technologies that I talked about, if you look at in the history, when new technologies come, like you know, even when computers were introduced, a lot of people talked about you know losing jobs and it can impact jobs, all of that. But what happened is opposite of that. It is it created more opportunities. It created a lot more 
business aspect that people can venture into so it's a every every technology invention has helped us to grow and infuse more opportunities than the other way around similarly what does automation do when you do automation or when you implement automation it helps you to accelerate the repetitive tasks perform with more accuracy and efficiency thereby freeing up capacity for humans to focus more on actions that that needs you know human intelligence innovation and value so we talk to all our Uh, employees as well as our customers using human plus machine as an as a way to implement automation so when you automate and augment that with human innovation it actually fuels the growth efficiency and excellence so in a, in a simple terms automation creates more opportunities when it is combined with human machine combination it actually drives growth and efficiency thereby delivering excellence now here's another uh, interesting data point that i saw uh it says that research from the international data corporation estimates that spending on automation software among uh, companies among industries will reach 42.6 billion dollars in just the next 2 to 3 years so i wonder how much of a benefit from this intelligent automation uh, can a company get in order to justify that kind of spending and that's a lot of money this is you're talking about uh, a- an expensive implementation you're going to have to have an awful lot of benefit in order to even break even much less as you were saying create new opportunities for growth absolutely and in terms of how do we implement and how much of efficiency and benefits given the volume of the dollars that are at an opportunity base is based on where the enterprises operate today so the step one in identifying the efficiency multiplier in terms of you know is it 10x or 15x or 50x in terms of benefits and productivity that you can drive through automation depends upon where your enterprise is today in our book we talk about what we call as automation opportunity assessment that helps enterprises to baseline their current automation maturity then you can establish a road map that provides not only the journey to higher maturity of automation but also delivers business benefits most of the people are familiar with the term robotic process automation which is called rpa in the industry the most important aspect of robotic process automation is not robot in itself but business relevance i call it as rpa as equal to relevant process in, you know implementation or relevant process automation so business relevance customer relevance user relevance industry relevance and what you are investing is more important so robotic process automation is equal to relevant process automation now as you mentioned uh, the technology experts at your company accenture have put together a how to guide called automation advantage uh talk about where uh, folks can learn more about this what they will find and and where we can get more information about that automation advantage is the book we authored uh, to bring practical tips tricks and uh, tools and techniques that you can apply in the enterprises to drive productivity efficiency speed to market as well as customer satisfaction you will find all the details about the book at www.accenture.com/automationadvantage you can also find the book at major retail outlets like amazon and barnes and noble intelligent automation it is certainly the way of the future and uh, again rajendra prasad senior managing director and global lead for automation at the information technology company accenture will have a link up on our webpage for more rp thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you very much we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert 
Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. <laughs> the New Jersey Animal Control Office uh, responded to an interesting rescue operation uh, last week. Now, we often have these types of stories where people will call emergency services for you know something that they think they have seen. Um, oftentimes they think they see dead bodies. It turns out to be a mannequin or somebody, I, I remember not all that long ago, uh, called, uh, animal control because they saw, they thought they saw an alligator turned out. It was an inflatable pool toy, <laughs> something. So New Jersey animal control got a unique call for a rescue operation. Uh, a resident, uh, had spotted, uh, what uh, it's Princeton, New Jersey a resident has spotted what he thought was someone's pet parrot perched on a tree in a, a wooded area. Thought, oh, my goodness, uh, somebody is missing their pet. Better call uh, animal rescue than come down and, and uh, get the uh, get the parrot, get it back to its uh, rightful owner. Uh, however, upon further inspection, officers determined the parrot was, in fact, ceramic. <laughs> Just a ceramic decoration. The Princeton Police Department said the animal is being lovingly taken care of until its owner is found. <laughs> All's well that ends well. That's uh, good. Uh, police in England uh, said they recently uh, were led on a, a high-speed car chase only to find out that the driver, <laughs> they pulled the driver over, finally uh, ended the chase, pulled the driver over. Chase went on for like 35 miles uh, at high speeds, police had to call in a helicopter for help. When the driver ran out of fuel, that's why he originally stopped, or eventually stopped. He ran out of fuel. Uh, police caught him and found that he only had a Legoland license. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is not a valid driver's license. He had picked up a, uh, a fake toy license. Uh, in 2003, from Legoland, when he was a child, he was arrested for driving without a valid license. <laughs> Legoland license won't work. And uh, it also uh, probably he was in trouble over the fact that he had a large quantity of marijuana in his car at the time. So that was, that was not good also. <laughs> Uh, this is crazy. The uh, latest, apparently this is a viral uh, challenge. And here is a, another example. Police in Exton, Pennsylvania, say two people hid inside of a Target store and remained there for hours after the store closed. They might have gotten away from, uh, with it had they not filmed their activities and posted them on YouTube in a video entitled 24-Hour Overnight Challenge at Target. 24-year-old Charlotte Fisher and 25-year-old Johnson LaRose built a fort inside the store and then filmed themselves wandering around after the employees left. Police say the pair left the store eventually at 3 a.m., uh, triggering an alarm, and then returned at 8 a.m. to resume filming, pretending they had been in the store all night. Uh, Target employees found surveillance video of the pair the next day. Police say they didn't take anything, but the investigation that ensued wasted police and company resources. The two have been charged with third-degree criminal trespassing and conspiracy and could face a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. But hey, they got lots of YouTube views. Oh, by the way, their, uh, the conditions of their bail ban them from every Target store in the state. <laughs> Was it worth it? Was it worth it, really? <clears throat> Man, I tell you. On the other hand, who hasn't dreamed of doing that at some time? <laughs> you know, hiding out in a store after it closes just to see whether you could pull it off. These guys did, apparently. And finally, in the broken news this morning, uh, our requisite story out of Florida, um, Thomas Colucci is in custody after calling police and asking them to verify the authenticity 
of his methamphetamine. Uh, Mr. Colucci contacted the Hernando County Police last week to ask officers to test the drug that he had recently purchased. <laughs> he, told, he told police he was an experienced drug user and that the substance he purchased was not making him feel the way he anticipated. <laughs> so he wanted the cops to test it to make sure that it was real. The drug was authenticated before officers took Mr. Colucci into custody and charged him with possession of methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. He's probably wondering, what the heck happened? How did this happen? <laughs> the sheriff's office said in a Facebook post about the incident that they are more than happy to test any illegal narcotics anyone had on hand free of charge. <laughs> this is a public service. <laughs> There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. What is dedication? My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night, I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is maybe the least shocking daily download we've ever had. Uh, according to a, a new survey from AAA, Americans will not be buying gas guzzlers or going on joy rides as long as gas is over $4 a gallon. <laughs> I mean, who could have who couldn't have predicted that? Uh, AAA polled over 1,000 respondents about soaring gas prices and whether they will switch up their driving habits in order to save money. Uh, shocking absolutely no one, about 60% of those in the survey said they plan on changing their routine if gas got to over $4 a gallon. Well, that train has already left the station. Uh, AAA reports the national average of a gallon of regular gas uh, 4.33 a gallon as of Friday, and here locally we are right uh, just above the $4 a gallon mark. Although in recent days locally gas prices have eased somewhat, but you're still right up there near. I mean, 3.99.9 is $4 a gallon, so I mean we're still right there, and uh, that's kind of the threshold that many people uh, have placed on whether or not. They change their habits. That $4 mark uh, appears to be the uh, hurdle that will uh, change people's habits. Uh, those between the ages of 18 and 34 most likely to switch up their driving and lifestyle habits uh, as long as gas is that high. Such changes include carpooling. 29% within that age group are open to the idea of sharing a ride to work. As for those over the age of 35... Uh, maybe the how they deal with this is a little different. The majority uh, of those in that age range say they now plan on combining trips and errands to cut down on their fuel usage. Meanwhile, both groups say they plan to reduce their shopping and won't be dining out as often, which is <laughs> sure to worry those restaurants that barely survived COVID and now uh, they have to delay a comeback even further because of all of this. Um, rising gas prices also kneecapping the vacation industry. And I thought this was kind of interesting because what was it last week we were talking about the fact, and we were referencing this earlier, that surveys said higher gas prices or not, we're still going to go on vacation. I mean, that was the original plan. People are saying, you know what? The need to travel outweighs the pain at the pump, but maybe not so much once you get, again, over $4 a gallon if it stays there. Just over half of those in this survey are now plotting 
a summer vacation, but only 40% say they plan to stick to their vacation plans regardless of how high gas prices go. Of course, with spring and summer on the way, this is typically big travel season. And the tourism industry having high hopes for a return to normal this year. Certainly no one could predict that gas prices would go through the roof just as pandemic restrictions finally go away. And how that might affect the recovery of the tourism industry is unknown. As we were mentioning earlier, surveys uh, giving conflicting information on just how big of an impact high fuel costs will have on all of this. But either way, our neighbors to the north are opening their borders and welcoming tourists back once again. You remember at the height of the pandemic, you couldn't get into Canada. And uh, now they are welcoming Americans with open arms. Neil Hodge is a travel media representative for uh, Tourism New Brunswick. And Neil, I think when when most people think about visiting Canada, maybe it's a trip to Toronto or to the Canadian Rockies of Alberta in the West, but there are so many options uh, in Canada. Why should people consider a New Brunswick vacation? Well, I would start off by saying that, you know, we, we do have a truly beautiful and unique province. So people, when they come here, they, they really will see something uh, different and unique. You know, we have, we have 3,400 miles of ocean coastline in New Brunswick, many great beaches. We have the warmest salt water in Canada. In fact, the warmest north of, north of Virginia. Mm. Our province, a really startling fact that surprises a lot of people, we're 85% forested. So we're, we're big into nature here. I would say the three things people will really notice when they come here is that we are known for huge untouched wilderness, lobster and other great seafood, and the Bay of Fundy, which has the highest tides in the world. You know, another point I would make is that we are Canada's only officially bilingual province, so people will not only get to experience English culture, as they already know it, but they'll get, they really will get to see and feel and experience French culture when they come here. So that sets us apart from the other places in Canada. One of the things that uh, really impresses me too, uh, I mean, you were talking about getting out into the great outdoors and exploring uh, the wilderness so much uh, is untouched, but at the same time, there is an awful lot of culture uh, to enjoy in uh, New Brunswick as well. Right. We have a very strong uh, French culture in the province and indigenous culture also. We have lots of great uh, indigenous tourism experiences um, you know, pe- people can go and uh, stay stay in a in a teepee overnight. Uh, hmm. Have a have a ceremony by the campfire. Listen to the storytelling. They can go on a an indigenous kayak tour past the historic monuments. They can uh, indigenous food experiences. If they want to go up to the French to the Acadian Peninsula of New Brunswick, they can experience French culture in many many small fishing French fishing villages. And we have festivals and events. Um, around French and indigenous cultures in New Brunswick as well. So people will really will get to experience other things that they, if they search for it when they come here. So a little bit of something for everyone. And you said this is actually uh, a perfect time to travel to New Brunswick, especially summer and fall. Good time to uh, get to explore your area. Yeah. I mean, I would say, first of all, the, in the summer it, Summer and fall. I mean, first of all, the weather is beautiful at this time of the year. The, yeah. At that time of the year, the temperature is in the, the temperature is in the 80s from June, early June until about mid September. So it's a great time to do things on or near the water. And you usually, even when it's hot like that, you still get a nice cool breeze off the ocean mm-hmm. in many parts of the province. Then you get a nice cooler temperature in the fall from say mid September and to the end of October. Um. I would say this year is in particular, it's a great time in the summer and fall to come to New Brunswick because we're not crowded here. You know, there's lots of wide open space. And I think people will value that, that wide open space more than ever now in a post pandemic world. Yeah. Um, there's lots of space. People are probably itching to get out there and do something different after being cooped up for most of the past two years. And most of us haven't traveled very much. So they can come here and do things in nature. We have countless great experiences in nature here. Lots of activities and adventures on or near the water, you know, terrific opportunities to get up close to whales, porpoises, seals, puffins, uh, more than 400 species of birds in the province. Uh, 
there's all kinds of tours that bring people up close with nature. We have countless hiking and cycling trails, camping and glamping, fishing and hunting. <laughs> the beaches, like you go on and on. I mean, yeah. tremendous sea kayaking tours and then picturesque drives, perhaps for people that probably perhaps aren't into the the high octane adventure, they can go for a nice peaceful drive. Yeah. Uh, and scenic one. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, with the, the fact that, you know, tourism is uh, suddenly hot again, as people are ready to, to get out after being, have, having been locked down, uh, for so long, uh, this is still a, a great vacation, something unique, something different and not altogether crowded. And if you're thinking ahead to uh, autumn, I would imagine the uh, colors have just got to be absolutely awesome. Oh, tremendous. We have a lot of great places where it's just a, a blaze of red with tinge, tinge of yellow and orange and everything's just, just mm. spectacular. We have one place called the Mount Carrollton Provincial Park. It's it's part of the Appalachian Mountain Range, which runs the same mountain range that goes through 14 states. And Mount Carrollton is the highest point in the Maritimes. Mm. Um, when you climb up, when you go to the top of the mountain there, you can see 10 million trees from up there. It's just a spectacular view. So you can just imagine wow. if you're on top of a mountain, you can see 10 million trees and they're all changing colors. Wow. It's, it's magical. Yeah. There's uh, another place called Misco Island. It's peat bogs and they're just a blaze of red. Mm. And, and there's, boardwalks that meander in amongst the among the peak bugs so you can get up close to that so just some real magical fall color scenery i think i just added uh, another item to my bucket list uh, neil hodge is travel media representative for tourism new brunswick where do we get more information about what there is to see and do and uh advice on uh, planning our uh, new brunswick vacation well we can go to our website uh, tourismnewbrunswick.ca and uh, everything is there. One, one other point I'd just like to make though is that we're, we're a dr- we are a drive to destination in New Brunswick. You know, we're, we're a nine hour drive from New York City and five and a half hours from Boston, so we're quite accessible. Absolutely. Uh, that is the best part of all. Uh, Neil, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So be sure to visit our little corner of the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Findlay's Gliding Stars are having an awesome dance party. And you're invited. We'll get a preview. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and making a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.